Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. We just finished a series and uh, that series was Unleashed. And we still have that sign up there, Welcome to the Mission Field. And if you remember, we started the series. I started it a couple of weeks ago and I broke down that whole story of Caesarea Philippi and what that really meant and what Jesus is saying, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And we're not on the defensive, we're on the offensive. And we always have to keep that in mind when we're out there, our mission field, our jobs, our community, we are to be beacons of light. We are to bring the gospel to everybody that we meet through our actions, not always words, right? It's our actions. Well, today is a one-week message. This is a singleton. And you can see up there, don't take the bait. Tell somebody next to you, don't take the bait. And let's pray as we, uh, as we get into God's word and, and we look at this topic. Lord, I couldn't help but think as we heard that song that Megan sang about there, there's no other name. Lord, as, as I, I thought about that, as I was just meditating on that at my seat, but I couldn't help but think about that Yale professor that said, Jesus' name is not just written into the world, it's plowed into the world. Jesus, your name is on everything. Every facet of society, whether it's medicine, whether it's education, Lord, your name is everywhere. Time, everywhere we look, Lord, you've had an influence. There have been more books written in the world about you than any other person. Lord, I ask that you would give us revelation this morning. You would reveal yourself to us, who you are. Lord, as I, I pray that our hearts would be open to what you have to say. Not what I have to say, but what your word has to say. Lord, about the wiles of the enemy. May we be reminded again, yet again, yes, that we are in fact in a battle And the enemy is quite insidious, he is quite sneaky, he is quite crafty, he is quite deceptive, and he's looking to take us out any way he can. Open our eyes this morning to this specific way in which the enemy is coming after the church, your people. Wake us up again, yet again, Lord, wake us up from our slumber Help us to see what is real, what is true, what is important. In your name, amen. How about this? Bob, Bob had given me this book this morning, a, a few weeks ago, I mean, in the last month. I had preached a message, and at the end, I talked about a couple of people. I mentioned like a George Muller and a Charles Spurgeon. Well, it says 10 people every Christian should know. I promise you in the new year, the title, I'm just coming up with a title, What Made Them Great, I am going to look at. I'm going to pick about four or five of the great saints from the past, and I'm going to talk about their lives. And it's going to be something I do every year. I'm going to do it every year. It's so inspiring. Like I see in here the name, like like Charles Spurgeon is one of my all-time favorites. How many of you have heard that name before? Spurgeon was, he's called the Prince of Preachers. He was from England. The guy was a machine. The guy would sleep like three hours a day. He answered over 250 letters every single week preached every single night of the week. I mean, the the things the guy, he he was out of control. As a preacher, you're like, really? Really? This is how you lived your life? The guy had four diseases, serious diseases, never complained, just kind of moved ahead. As a a preacher, I look at him like Tom, and I was like, Tom, you've got to talk about this guy. 
So we were, Tom and I were talking about it. You just kind of laugh, and you're like, you can never live that way. I mean, supernatural grace. Anyway, let's get to the, to the real message this morning. And I want to start with this, some observations that I have about you. Okay, are you ready? I know some things about you. The first thing that I know about you is that you walked in here with certain dreams and aspirations and goals in your life. How many of you are impressed that I knew that about you? I'm talking vocationally, I'm talking relationally, I'm talking spiritually. You have certain goals for your life. I don't know exactly what those goals are. You'd be really impressed if I knew all those. But you do. You walked in here and you have goals for your life. Let me tell you, I know something else about you. There are certain things that you love to do. You have certain hobbies, certain activities. Um, You have interests, probably varied, different things that you love to do. Whatever that may be, we all have things that we absolutely love to do. When you sit there and you look at your watch, time flies because you're having so much fun. Think in your mind, think of something that you, you love, your number one thing that you love to do. For me, it would be read. Give me a book on a day like today. Stick me right in these bushes, right here, right here. Give me a chair and I'm happy. All right? I was kidding. I don't want to be stuck in the bushes, but I would like to be outside reading on a day like today. All right? I know something else about you. There are dreams in your life that were never fulfilled there were things that did not come to fruition in your life. What is that for you? Is it something that you like, you know what? I always wanted to write a book. Pretty ambitious. I wanted to climb Mount Everest. I want to go to ba- the first base camp at Mount Everest. Could never climb Mount Everest, but just get to the first base camp. That would be tough enough. What is there in your life? What dream in your life was never fulfilled? And to this day, you think about it all the time. What is that for you? And you know what? I know something else about you. At one time in your life, or maybe numerous times, definitely numerous times in your life, you have been disappointed and you've experienced real pain. How many of you raise your hand and say, that's me? I've experienced real pain at some point in my life. And it's whether you're a Christian or not, Whether you're a new Christian, this whole Christian bag is brand new to you, or you've been a Christian for a long time and the new car smell has dissipated. It's gone. It's not there anymore. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? You've been a Christian for some time and then you're like, wow, reality hits and you don't have those feelings again. Oh Lord, how I would have those feelings again that I had when I first came to know you. And it's kind of like a roller coaster. Well, Every one of us in here, if you haven't experienced pain or disappointment, I don't know what planet you live on, because you don't live on planet Earth. I want to show you a picture now. Here's my little clicker. How many of you are familiar, you've seen the giant redwoods out in California? This is a picture, here's even a better one, you see a a human there dwarfed by these giant trees. If you look on the side screen, you can see them. These are giant redwoods. Some of these, I mean, these, we are so fascinated as Americans. I mean, people travel from all over to see them. They are absolutely humongous. Hundreds of years old, some of them. And the first slide I put up there is really interesting in researching these. You see the different rings? This is a redwood that has been cut open. And you see the different rings, and you can't see the writing that is there. 
But if you go out and visit, what those rings show you are different things that have happened in the life of that tree. You see, every single ring, one ring will represent a time of growth in that tree's life. Then there'll be another ring that shows a drought in that tree's life. And then there's another ring that shows maybe it got struck by lightning. These huge trees, when you look on the inside of them, they tell a story. Why do I bring that up? Because friends, if they were to cut all of us open in this room, I know that sounds kind of gruesome, we would have a story to tell. You see, what would the rings of our lives be? Ooh. You know what we do? We are so adept at hiding the rings of our lives. Because just like these trees, here you go again, just like these trees look so beautiful, they look impenetrable, they they look massive, and they look like they could never ever fall impervious to anything. When you cut them open, they tell a different story. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if they were to cut every single one of us open, there would be a story inside for us to tell. But we don't enjoy talking about the stories of our lives. We keep the pain inside. We keep it hidden. You see, just like these trees that have been nicked and they have been bruised, that is us. Every single person in here has nicks and cuts and bruises that they walk around with, that you walk around with. Why do we hide, friends? Why do we hide? Because I bet if they did open us up, they would be different. If we went around the room, somebody would say, yeah, you know what? There's a ring in my life. I remember when I was young and I got a report card and I did really well. I, you know, I got a couple of B's, but I got some A's and I improved. But my parents compared to me to one of my siblings. You know, maybe there's another ring, somebody in here that you had a divorce, a messy divorce. And it's something that you really haven't, you've dealt with it a little bit, but there's still that pain inside. And there's somebody else in here probably. You know what? That there was dirt that was put on a casket of a person that you never could have dreamed living life without. And now they're gone. Pain. Imagine we lived in a world. Really, just think about it. You lived in a world where everyone loved, right? Everyone loved. Everyone lived in such a way that they loved each other. Love permeated the world. Nobody cried. Everyone really cared. It's not the world you live in. That's not, that's not reality, is it? But I want to talk about today. I don't want to talk about those. I'm doing this on purpose. I don't want to talk about those massive rings. You know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about the insidious nature of some of the ways that we get bruised and a tactic of the enemy that he uses against us to take us out. And you want to know what it is? The bait that I ta- I'm mentioning in the title of this sermon is offenses. Offenses. It is one of the major weapons of the enemy in our day. He is looking to take us out so that we would, ho- he wants us to harbor offenses. He wants us to say, you know what? You were hurt by that person, the person that loves you, that person that is supposed to care about you, that person that is supposed to be your best friend. They have betrayed you. I can't believe they said that. And you better put walls up for the rest of your life. And you better harbor ill will. And you better harbor resentment and jealousy and anger. 
That's what the enemy wants us to do. Look what it says here in 1 Peter. You all know this passage in 1 Peter 5.8. Look what it says. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And there's that imagery. It evokes that imagery. You think of that lion that is out there that is prowling around on like the safari. You go, so you know, you, he's out there and you can see him. But I would say to you, this is stealth. This is the devil being so sneaky and crafty and deceptive because these aren't the, offenses is not something that may be as overt. We can get so blinded to how we feel about other people and not only other people, listen to me, how we feel about God. Because I know there are people in this room right here, right now, you are offended at God because life didn't work out the way you wanted. You didn't get the job that you wanted. You didn't get the, the spouse that you wanted. You didn't get the house that you wanted. Your kids haven't been the way you want them. Somewhere in your life, you're offended at God. Oh, wait, I'm in church. Wait, I'm not not supposed to talk that way. Let's keep it real. It's not sugarcoat anything. We don't do that. And that's what's in the room this morning. That's what's in my life. If you are a Christian, you're in, you, not even any, you've been offended at some point. Somebody has slighted you. Somebody has said something that really hurt you deep to your core. The question is, what have you done with it? It's not, it's not if it's going to happen. It's when it's going to happen. And every single one of us has experienced it. Look what Jesus says here in, in Luke 17. 1. I love this passage. Then he said to his disciples, talking about the signs of the end of the age, right? Jesus says to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Let me say this again. Jesus, talking to his disciples, for us living in the 21st century, it's applicable for our lives. It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. This means he's saying that every single one of us in this room will experience situations where we can get offended at someone, not just out there, but in here. And I would put before you the ones, the wounds that hurt the most, the nicks, the cuts, the bruises, if we were to be opened up and look inside, it would be from those people that we're closest to, the people that are sitting next to us in these, uh, in these rows, in these chairs. That's where it hurts the most. You see, that's what I'm looking at this morning, the offenses. And you're going to kind of, you're going to laugh, but I have to talk about hunting for a little while. I have to. I'm not a hunter. I underline the word offenses. This word in the Greek, here's, here's the word in the Greek. It's, it's scandalon. This word scandalon in the Greek connotes the, the notion that, or the idea, the imagery, that th- there is a trap that is set up, and the scandalon is the bait that is set up. So when somebody comes over, it is a trap that is put in your way. So when Jesus says this, and Luke is, you know, when we translate this from the Greek, that word offenses, that no offenses, that's the scandal on, that the traps that are there, that the enemy is going to lay traps before us. You are in this world, he is going to lay traps before us. 
Now, I'm going to go off on a little tangent. I wasn't going to do this, but, and I took these slides out. I probably should have left them in. Last month, we went to, uh, we were in uh, Pennsylvania, and we went to see, what was the show? Noah. We were at Sight and Sound. How many of you, great show, by the way. Wonderful show. And on the way home, he's not here this morning, so it's easier to, to talk like this. Uh, my brother-in-law says, hey, um, we should stop at this place, Cabela's. I'm like, Cabela's? I, yeah, I heard of it before. You know, Pastor Linda really wanted to go. It's a hunting place. It's, like it's, it's hard to, like, you have to experience it. They bring the outdoors indoors. Now, I didn't know there were other, doing research on this. I'm like, last night, I'm telling, I'm like, Megan, do you know there are Cabela's, like, all over the country? There are other ones? They're like, but this one is the biggest one in the country. 250,000 square feet. And you're on the outside. Of, Paul, you should pull a picture up. Pennsylvania, pull a picture up for us if you can. And you walk into this place, and here's the best part. I have Jameson. Jameson is four years old, and I start walking around, and there are all these scenes, all these taxidermied animals that are there, and you see little Bambis walking around, and they're getting mauled by tigers and lions, all animals over the place. And Daddy, what's that? Yeah, honey, that is a, that's, that's a goat getting mauled by four mountain lions. He's not going to make it. What do I say to this kid? Walking around, there's like beef jerky that would last like a thousand years. If you're in like a nuclear fallout shelter, like this is what you take. All this different stuff, but I was, no, really, I was, I didn't even go on the second floor. I mean, there's mountain climbing stuff, of fishing, you na- shooting, archery, you name it. I mean, it was just fun to watch the people that were in there. It was another world. There's a guy that knows nothing, right? Still, I'm never allowed to own a gun. I, I, they'll never take me hunting. A bow and arrow, God help us. They, not, just not allowed, right? So, I'm thinking about it, though, and I'm like, here are these, these people that come, not just men. Let's not be there were a lot of women that were in there, right? How many of you women hunt? I just throw it out there. Not one. Not one of you hunts. Michelle, but she's not here. All right. What's that? We hunt for clothes. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I was in there, though, and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what? You know what's crazy? It was crazy because I'm thinking about here, the, the, the hunter, in, in trying to go after the hunted, right? And all the measures that, that one takes, and you have the camouflage. I mean, they'll even go to the, they get, like, um, waste from some of these animals, and they put it on to attract the uh, animal to them. That's a little weird. That's a little crazy. But you do it, and I, I guess it's successful. But all these methods by which you study the animals, fascinating. And then I did, Paul, you don't, don't even worry about it. You can pull my PowerPoint up because I have to show them. I ordered a book on my Kindle, and I want to pull it up. Paul, pull up that book title in my PowerPoint. I ordered a book because I wanted to understand a little bit about, I could do it if you want. I wanted to understand a little bit about this whole hunting game here. So let's see if I can find it. All right. Um, well, that's some pictures of traps, but this is a book that I have on my Kindle. Yeah. Anybody, if you'd like to borrow my Kindle, I'll let you look at it. How to trap fur-bearing animals. The how-tos of trapping fur-bearing animals and their habits, types of traps. Fascinating. You wouldn't, I'm not a hunter, but I was fascinated by it. And I'm looking, and they have all these pictures of all the different traps. Well, obviously, top left, you know, that's a mouse trap. I mean, everybody knows that's one. Top right is a beaver trap. Bottom left is a bear trap. I am not touching that thing. I would never set that thing up. I, the thing would collapse on me if I tried to set that thing up, right? Yes. My dad's the first one to say yes. Take it easy. Okay? 
And here's, a, here's the quote I want to show you from the book. This is one of the quotes that I pulled out. Yeah, I did. I sat, I sat there and I'm like reading some of this. Megan last night is like, like thinking, oh, I can't believe my husband is looking at this book right now. Here's the quote from the author. I don't even know who the guy is. But he says, trapping itself is an art. It's an art on how to trap an animal, how to monitor the animal. You have to study the animal. Many of the wild creatures are exceedingly wary, and the trapper must match his reason against the instinct, the natural wariness, and the acquired knowledge of the animals. And I love this. Here it is. In order to be successful, one must know the wild animals as a mother knows her child. Oh, right? Like, I had goosebumps when I read that. I got excited. It did. It made me want to go out and hunt. They still won't let me, but it made me want to go out there. You see all these pictures, these guys, and they have bears, and, you know, it's like through Google images. It's crazy. But that last line really hit me. You want to know why? Because there is an enemy that has been watching human beings since there was a man and a woman in the Garden of Eden, and he has been studying us for centuries, century upon century, myriads of human beings, and he knows how we think, and he knows how we act, and he wants to tempt us, and he wants to put that out there. Oh, just take the bait. Oh, it looks so good. You'll feel so good if you take this bait. It'll taste so good that that you'll want more. You'll have an insatiable desire for more. Come on, come on, come a little bit closer. Come a little bit. Thought he was coming towards me. Come a little bit closer. Gavin, you scared me there for a second. I'm like mid-sentence and I just stopped. But really, that's what our enemy wants to do. He is so crafty and he is so deceptive. You see, I said before, it is not a sin that you and I, that we, there's the possibility of being offended. It's when we pick up the offense and we eat it and we taste it and we don't want to give it up. It has a deleterious effect on our lives and this community. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you're not alone. If this is you and there are people that you're offended with, you are not alone in this place. And there is healing as we come to this table this morning. I'm believing, this is what I've been praying, that you would be released from that by the power of God's spirit, that he would release you from those offenses. The bait that you've taken and how you've been tempted, you know what? There's healing for you in this room today. Healing for your soul and healing for every other soul. Maybe you're on the opposite. You offended somebody else. Maybe at the end of this meeting, it's you going up to somebody and asking for forgiveness because you offended them. But I'm here to tell you, if we hold on to these offenses, it stifles our spiritual life and we become dead inside. God wants to free us in every single way. And there is an enemy that wants to keep us bound. He wants to keep us in chains. He wants to keep us in prison. He doesn't want me to tell you this this morning. But I'm here to tell you, you can be free from those chains. You don't have to bear that any longer. That's the good news of the gospel. You see, because that's what the gospel does. And the enemy wants to blind us. And there are so many of us. How many of us know we can be in denial? It's so easy to be in denial and not see truly what's going on inside of us or how we really think. That's why God has given us the body. Amen. He's given us the body so that we can tell each other, hey, you got a blind spot here and you've been offended at this person or this situation. And even if there is something inside, even if you are correct, even if you are right, it still has to be dealt with. 
can't hold it inside. But the enemy wants us to sit there and he wants us to take the bait. There's a great story, another hunting story. Up in the Arctic Circle, there is a small tribe of Eskimos. And they have a really interesting method by which they capture wolves. Fascinating. They take a knife and they sharpen it. It is razor sharp. Whoosh, whoosh. You like the sound effects? Whoosh. And they sharpen that, right? Then they'll kill a seal. Seal is much easier to, to kill than a wolf, much less dangerous. And they'll kill the seal and they'll take the blood from that seal. They will dip the blood of the knife into the seal's blood. They will take it outside. They will let it freeze. Once it is frozen, they take it back in. They dip it in the seal's blood. They take it out. They bring it back in. They do this repeatedly until the blade is no longer seen on that knife. Then they go out where they think the wolves are going to be. And they take it and they plant it in the ground and they hide the handle. Oh, and then comes the next day or even that night. And the wolves are out and they smell the blood of the seals. And they make their way towards the, they, with what they think is just blood. And they have no idea what lies underneath that seal's blood. And they start, that ravenously, they're licking the blade. And they keep licking it. And they lick it. And they lick it. And they, as they're, they're doing this, and it, feverishly, they keep moving faster and faster. And they start to taste that warm blood. And they, it just, it gives them that insatiable desire for more. And they keep going. And they keep going. And they keep going. And then they start to realize where they're not getting stronger. They're actually getting weaker, not realizing that they don't feel it. The blade is so sharp that it eventually cuts their tongue and they will die in a pool of their own blood. Oh, that is what your enemy, your enemy wants to do with you. He wants to give you here, take this. Here's the offense. I want you to taste it. Oh, it is so good. Have another lick. I'll have one more. Oh, come, come, come on. You can have another one. Isn't it good? Don't you want another one? Oh, how sneaky he is. You're all laughing. But how sneaky he is. How crafty he is. Because he knows exactly what he's doing since he's been watching human beings for so long. That if he can get us to take the bait, we're trapped. Trapped! You know what Jesus said? Jesus put it this way. Matthew 24, 10 through 13. If these aren't sobering words, I don't know what are. And then many will be offended. Same word for offenses there. Many. Did you notice I underlined that? It doesn't say a few. It doesn't say some. It says many will be offended. Many will take the bait of Satan, will betray one another. Notice the progression. To get offended at somebody, then to betray somebody, and will hate one another. So, you see it. Offense, betrayal, hatred. Moving along the line there. Then many false, false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. That word love, I didn't underline it in verse 12, but here's the deal on that. There are different words in the New Testament for love. And you may, you've heard of these before, phileo and agape. Well, here's what it's not saying. Phileo love is conditional love. 
Phileo love is, uh, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Purely conditional. Agape love is what we saw on the cross 2,000 years ago when God said, I'm going to send my, my son into the world and I'm going to send him in and he's going he's to die for all mankind. He's going to take every single sin on that cross. That is unconditional love. What he is saying here, what Matthew is saying, this is agape love where he is saying the unconditional love will grow cold. What are you saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying that the love that Jesus has showed every single one of us in this room, we are not showing to other people in the end days. I'm here to also tell you this is applicable for our lives today. Never in the history of the church have we seen such people, people get so offended at a myriad of things. I am a pastor's son. I'm 40 years old. Do you know how many times I've seen people just in this little church and the building down the road over there with the craziest offenses? I'm talking crazy. We are not a perfect church. There is no perfect church. But people that get offended, I let, you know, I, I, I get grieved, but then I almost laugh because I'm like, if you leave our church and you're offended at something, maybe the worship, maybe something the pastor said, I had somebody, I had somebody some years ago pull me aside and I, they said to me, you know what, pastor, you said in your sermon, you said, um, I swear, I swear that this is true. Pastor, you're not supposed to, you, you can't swear like that in, in a sermon. Yeah, I know. I have to sit there and I had to answer that. You wouldn't believe some of the things that I've heard over the years. I saw a church breakup. Oh, me, you didn't know. Many of you have heard these stories before. I was part of a church breakup as a kid. I said to Megan, I'm like, Megan, everyone's heard it. She's like, maybe you should talk about it again. And there's still those wounds that you feel and you see. I've said it before, and I'm sorry if I'm like being redundant. But it is still hard as a pastor sometimes to let people in. Because I'm so good at putting walls up. Because I don't want people to get too close. Because you know what? Next week you could be the person that leaves. I could let you in my life and then you walk out and you leave and you're gone. And I know for some of you, you don't have to be a pastor's kid. Some of you have felt the same exact pain that I have felt. But I'm here to tell you, work it out. There's no perfect place. And God does call people to different churches. Don't hear me. I'm, I'm saying that this morning. God calls people to other places. But a lot of times, people leave for reasons that are just wild. And people get offended. Nobody said hi to me. I've been in the church. Nobody said hi to me. No one said hi to me. I mean, things that you just can't make up. There is an enemy. And those problems, if you choose to leave here and not work it out within a community of believers, you're going to go down the road and go to another church and you're going to have the same exact problems. How do I know? Experience. I hear stories. I've seen things happen. I've seen people's lives crumble because their problems just follow them. It's no different wherever they go. Not easy. But we need to be a people that deal with our offenses. Because the enemy wants to give us the bait. How about this one, this passage? Proverbs eighteen nineteen. Look what this says. Solomon, in his infinite wisdom, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. I love this. You know what the imagery is here? It's this. You know in these ancient cities, what do they have around the cities? They had great walls. And those walls were there. They were supposed to be impenetrable and and protect the people of that city. 
You didn't have people just coming and going whenever they wanted. In order to come through the city walls, you had to be somebody that was living there. If you were visiting, you needed a visa. You needed something in that day. You needed um, authority from on high to get into that city. What Solomon is saying, what this means here, is that we as people, as time goes on, we can get offended by other people and we start to build up walls in our lives. And we wonder, remember that we've, Pastor Linda years ago talked about the arrows and Naeem and Megan did the arrow skit and people were walking at each other and they were trying to get intimate, but they had those arrows and they kept hitting each other. Well, I'm here to hurt people, hurt people. And we're all hurt. We're all wounded. But we build those walls when we get with all those, all those hurts and all that pain that's inside. We continue to pile rock upon rock upon rock until we're stuck in our own little prison. And we say, you know what? I'm only going to let those people in that I deem as being safe. And the problem is those people are doing the same exact thing and we really can't connect the way we want to connect because we're bringing all of our junk in. Well, we're not really dealing with all of our junk. It's time for us to deal with our offenses. It's time for us as a church to come clean. It's time to come clean this morning with what's really going on inside of our hearts. And Lord, I'm just praying right now that your, your Holy Spirit is moving on people's hearts. Lord, I ask that you would prick people's hearts. Lord, that they would see and that they would be open, Lord, that their hearts would be malleable, that you would show them exactly, Lord, put people before them right now. Who is it for you? Are there people that God is putting on your heart right now that he's saying, you know what? You need, you have serious offenses here and you need to deal with this because if you don't deal with this, it's going to destroy you. How about this? This is even better. I want to give you another visual. All right. You see my left. The Sea of Galilee and then the Dead Sea. Fascinating in that the Sea of Galilee starts really in the mountains in Caesarea Philippi. And the water from Caesarea Philippi comes all the way down and it feeds the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is teeming with marine life. Fish everywhere. Beautiful, right? Wonderful. The same water from the Sea of Galilee that has life exits out of the Sea of Galilee via the Jordan River and from the Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea. Why do they call it the Dead Sea? Because once that water that has life empties into it, it doesn't exit out and it sits there and thus everything that is in the Dead Sea is dead. This is a picture. Look at the picture. This is what happens in our lives when we hold on to things and we don't let them out. They sit inside of us and we rot. We get stagnant. How many of you feel that way this morning? You're hearing this, you're going, you know what? This is not really that living to her. You're like, I don't want to hear this. This is not what I want to listen to. This is not the inspiring message I came to give you. Tough. This is the message you need to hear this morning. And there are things inside of you. If you feel like you're the Dead Sea, then you can pray when you get to the table. And you can say, God, I ask that those things inside, those offenses that I have, whether it be my wife, my kids, my parents, co-workers, people in this building right here that have no idea. Lord, I ask that you would help me to give that to you. All I'm asking this morning is that you be open and honest to what is inside of your heart. 
And as you leave this place, I don't know what that is. This, and you know what? A lot of times in the Christian life, it's not just snap your fingers and things happen. Things take time. But it's a starting point today. It's a starting point for you to say, yes, you know what? I need to have some difficult conversations. And I'm not talking about you going up to somebody and saying, you know what, buddy? I'm offended with what you said to me, you know, and this is what the Bible clearly says. Oh, look, like, here you go. Matthew 18. This is what the Bible says. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. You know what, you know what people do a lot of times? They twist and they manipulate and they go in the wrong spirit. Pastor Linda, since I was a little kid, she'd always say, your spirit isn't right. And I, I always wanted to be like, I don't care if my spirit isn't right. I know I'm right. I was always wrong, you know, but you think you're right. You know what I'm saying? You talk to your parents and your parent just happens to be a pastor and she just happens to have all this background in psychology. It wasn't fun sometimes, right? You get in fights and like, this isn't fair, not fair. I give up. But seriously, we need to go to people in the right spirit. If you go and, and you say, you know what? You really need to, I think you really need to repent of what you said. That's not going to win your brother over. It's not going to win me up. If you come up to me and you say, you know what, James, you offended me. And you come out, if, but, if, but conversely, if you come up to me with, with a, a real spirit of humility and real love, I'm going to listen to you. And I think I, I'd have to imagine that for everyone in here, if you come up, go up to somebody in the right spirit, in the right tone, and you say it the right way, lovingly, I think your brother has to hear you or your sister has to hear you. And if they don't, then there are measures for that. Then you can bring other people into the situation. That's different. But how come we don't do that? We harp, And I'm at the top of the list. Listen, top of the list. Again, being a pastor's kid, God is, uh, man, this is a hard one to preach because you know you're right in the middle of it and you have serious issues with this because I'm so easy to get offended at people over the years. We have to deal with it. It's not going to go away. And the enemy is out there and he's looking to take us out. The way he does, he wants to be really sneaky yeah, it's not the big sins, right? I, don't worry about those things. I'll just get them this way. It's like the screw tape letters. This is one of the ways he wants to get us. Yeah, you be offended. Don't talk to them. And maybe you're hearing that this morning. I don't want to have a difficult conversation. Oh, that person's difficult. They're never going to hear me. Do not listen to the voices. That do not listen to what the enemy is trying to tell you. Those are lies straight out of the pit of hell. Those are not from God. I can tell you that. That is not what he is saying to you. God is saying to you today that he will give you the power. He will give you the grace. He will give you the strength. He will be there in the midst of whatever that conversation is with whomever it is. He will be there for you. You have to trust. Will you? So as we close, musicians, you can start to come up. As we close here this morning... I want us to really take action as a church. We've always preached in this place about community, about being real, about being open, about being honest and transparent. You see, I, I put that passage up before. As we come to this table, Jesus demonstrated agape love, unconditional love on that cross. And you may say, you don't know what happened to me. And again, there may be things that happened to you that are horrific. And you may be sitting here, you don't know what happened when I was a kid. I don't. 
but I also don't pretend to say that we can just brush that off and you don't have any real effects from that, negative effects, ways that has impacted and shaped your life today. But I would tell you, this is a place where you can get real healing. We believe in emotional healing in this place. There is hope for you, but it doesn't mean that you can harbor that ill will towards those, you can't. Because of what Jesus did on that cross, you have no choice. It is agape love, and we as a church are to pay it forward to other people in our lives. Who are the people? Who are those people again for you? I have a list. Listen, I have a list. I saw somebody the other day. I, wasn't gonna, I saw somebody the other day that used to be in this church, and it was, the, it was the hardest thing for me to do to just even talk to this person. I knew some of the things that person had said about my parents. I knew. I knew what they said. And I knew they weren't true. I knew they were bereft of any, any credence. But you know what? I knew in my spirit, I, I said, I have to be able to turn the other cheek. I have to give it to you, God. And that's the hardest thing. I think that's the hardest thing sometimes as Christians to be able to really do that. Do you find that too? Do you agree? It's never, ever easy when somebody wrongs you, when somebody betrays you. I think of like David. Read, read Psalm 55. Go home and read Psalm 55. See the pain and the anguish that man talks about. I started out talking about the, the redwoods. Here is a man, a giant redwood. You would think that nothing could shake him. And he starts writing about one that was a, a cl- closer than a brother who has betrayed him in his life. And the anguish, and he goes back and forth, back and forth. It helps me. It gives me solace. I just know that we're free. Do you understand that? We're, we're free. We become free when we forgive others. It's not that, you know, I, don't, I can't do it. You know what? It, I, I, you're going to get satisfaction. You're going to be free when you give up whatever has happened. So, Lord, I pray right now as we come to your table. Father, I pray that everybody would hear and see and feel whatever you're saying to them right now. Whomever that is, whatever person or people or situations they have to let go of. Lord, this life is about letting go, not clutching. It is about letting go, being on the trapeze and just letting go and being out there in midair, trusting and believing that you will catch us. Give us big faith to believe that you can move mountains. Lord, give us faith to believe that that, that the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, has not lost any of his power and he wants to work in the midst of of every single trial and tribulation in here. Lord, I ask for a spirit of reconciliation and restoration to break out in City on a Hill Community Church this morning. Break out. Loose your power right now. We come against the forces of hell that would try to stop that from happening. You will not stop what God has intended for people here today, October 20th, 2013, and that we would be a people that would be crafty ourselves and we would see the wiles of the enemy and we would see the bait that he's trying to lay out for us, but we wouldn't take it, not by our might, not by our power, but by your spirit. Amen. Ushers. you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. And this last sentence to me changed my life. In the final analysis, it is between you and God.
It was never between you and them. Anyway. So much time, and it's a willing sacrifice that these people have made. These blessed people. Not, you know, people on other part, humans with lives, with children, with grandchildren, that they make the sacrifice to say, this is a time for the Lord. This is a time for my brother, my sister, that I'm going to give. Um, and that comes out on another end. And time and time again, they make that sacrifice. We appreciate you for that. We appreciate you for the ways that you seek wisdom. You seek the Lord's face. You seek the Lord's heart and direction for this church as a rule. And we have all benefited from it. All of us here sitting in these chairs right now, hearing the word, receiving uh, the victories that we've had in our lives, they've been led through the Spirit by your obedience. And we are so grateful. And we, we, we can only say that the Lord is smiling at you guys. My good and faithful servant, you've done a great job. So as we're honoring them, can we just all raise our hands? I'm just going to say a prayer over the pastors right now. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for these humble vessels, Lord. These obedient people, Father, with flaws, with weariness, with physical, with, with, with all the things that we think, oh, no, they don't deal with, with all, with all the gamut of humanity, Father. Lord, we just thank you for their hearts. We thank you for their sacrifice. Lord, our prayer for them right now, Lord, is you would refill their cup. Lord, that you would give them increased discernment, Lord, increased love and joy and passion in their lives, Father. Lord, we ask that you bless them, Lord. Bless their, bless their feet, bless their bodies, bless their time, bless their hearts, Lord. Bless them in their time with you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for these servants that you've sent as leaders, as representatives, Father, of, of who you are, Lord, as, as a man and as a woman, Father, as a married couple, Lord, as parents, as grandparents, Father, as co-workers, as brothers and sisters, Lord. We just thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for their hearts. We thank you for their obedience. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we get to honor them today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Win your brother. You've won your brother. The relationship is restored. Brothers and sisters, working on relationships, wouldn't you agree, is one of the hardest things to do in this life. Does anybody say amen? amen? And it's so important to God. And the Christian life is about your relationship with God, your relationship with other people, and your relationship with yourself. Relationships are where it's at. And that's why the enemy is so bent on bringing obstructions and offenses into our lives to cut the flow of God. I have to tell you, Pastor Joe and I just really, God has blessed us with, with you. We're so happy to be part of this community. I can tell you there's not a thing in our hearts today um, uh, that uh, we can say God hasn't healed us from. You know what? We've hurt people and people have hurt us. And I just think Mother Teresa's last line has really, it changed my life. It was never between you and them anyway. It's always between you and God. It really is. What kind of person am I going to be when that happens to me? Am I going to decide that I'm going to overcome and love them anyway, forgive? Brothers and sisters, as a pastor for many years, we've seen bitterness and offenses take down more people than anything else. Anything absolutely above anything else 
You don't realize it, but when you carry an offense, something starts to die in your heart. That's why forgiveness is the, is the bottom line to the cross. It's about forgiveness. So thank you so much for your kindness to us today as your pastors. We love pastoring you. Thank you so very much. Have a great day. I think it was a great message. Thank you, Pastor James. Amen. We'll talk to you later. Stay around. Give us a chance to talk to you. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.